Well, this morning I want to talk to you in our series as we continue talking about joy. I drove home, got home last night, and when I pulled up in my yard, the sign joy wasn't lit up. All the rest of the Christmas lights were lit up, but it was just standing there in the dark, almost disappeared, except for the lights around it. And Ben saw it, and he says, Dad, I've got to switch that on. And when he did, it just made the whole house in the front yard become more alive, just because of what that word joy communicates. And I told you last week how much I enjoy when our church is leaving how we sing joy to the world after our Christmas Eve service. So this morning I want to talk to you about how to have joy when you've been hurt, when you've been disappointed, when, when that hurt or the disappointment has ever turned to bitterness. How many of you have ever been hurt deeply before? Can I see your hand this morning? Sure, I think we all understand what it means to have been hurt. And if we're not careful, that hurt can turn into bitterness. I was sharing with the first service this morning that I recently read an article about how many online apps are, are being sold because they promise peace and they promise joy in our lives for a monthly fee. If you'll pay a monthly fee for these apps and you'll go through the meditation that the app promises, then, then you'll have some joy in your life. I was reading another interview then by in, in uh, Rolling Stone magazine, and yep, I read that from time to time, and I was reading about a particular rock star who said he'd been trying meditation because he had been hurt so many times in the industry. He'd been so bitterly disappointed. He'd been bis- disappointed by his marriage. He'd been disappointed by, you know, how he'd been treated in the industry. He's a well-known name. If I was to call his name, you'd know it. But yet, he's experienced this hurt and bitterness, and in the end, he says, I've tried meditation, and meditation doesn't remove the pain and the hurt that you go through. So I'd like to talk to for you for just a moment, where does, where does that bitterness, where does that dis- disappointment, where does that resentment come from? And it just simply comes when we've been hurt and we've been disappointed in life. And some of us in this room, we've been hurt with words. Some of us in this room, we've been hurt by unfair treatment. Some of us in this room, we've been hurt physically. We were abused physically, maybe as a child, or maybe as an adult, you've been abused physically. Maybe you've been abused sexually. Some of you have been lied to. Some of you in this room, you have been wounded in ways that you still think about that happened when you were just a child. Maybe you dream about it at times, or you're driving down the road, and it can be a perfectly beautiful day, and you're happy, and then all of a sudden, that memory comes crashing in on you, and it brings back that hurt and that disappointment and that bitterness. I remember being in Atlanta, Georgia a number of years ago. A friend of mine, Tim, and I had went to hear a speaker that we both admired, and we had went to uh, the Omni Center in Atlanta, which was a huge complex. It's where the CNN Center is now. And we were listening to this speaker as he was speaking, and he says, one of the things that you have to come to terms with is life is not fair. And I remember thinking, well, that's a dull statement. All of us know that life is not fair. There are times when I'm watching a football game, and I know the refs have missed the call on the opposing team, and then they catch it on my favorite team, and I go, it's not fair. Life is just not fair. And I just remember this big-time professional speaker that we were listening to I told Tim later, I said, we could have done a better job of that because we know why life is not fair. 
We live in a broken world. We live in a world where sin has damaged relationships. Sin has damaged our environment. Sin has damaged who we are. It's as though sin has taken and damaged our very DNA in our lives. And sin has caused us to rebel against God. And God is our Father. God is our Creator. And Now listen, don't miss this. When you rebel against God, you're rebelling against the very one who gives you life and hold your life together. God holds everything together through Christ Jesus. But when you rebel against God, and you might want to write this down, when you rebel against God, we also then begin to rebel against one another. And that's what sin does to us. And it happens in the very first story in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. It wasn't long before they rebelled against each other. It wasn't long before their sons rebelled against one another. It's what happens in a broken, sin-filled, hate-filled world. Just a few moments ago in our service, in our first service, our children brought up different categories of herd and different categories of sin that they brought up here and acted out and illustrated in a, in a wordless drama. And then someone else came along and witnessed to each of these people along those characteristics. And as they flipped it over, greed became giving, pride became humility, and then they hate became love. And, and then they assembled that into a large, beautiful cross. And in the first service, everybody just began applauding because the children had done so well illustrating what the gospel does in our lives. But here's the point that I want to bring out. Even as Christians, sometimes we hurt one another. Can you say amen to that? And sometimes we hurt one another unintentionally, and sometimes we hurt each other intentionally. I can tell you, I can always feel the pull of sin on my life on Interstate 75, on Interstate 94, on Interstate 275. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. I want to speed around them and get in front of them and then slow down. That's that pull of sin. It's kind of like the little boy who said to his mama, says, Mama, why is it that when Daddy's driving, all the idiots come out and drive? I feel that pull of sin in my life, and I have to choose to say no. Now, that's important. I have to choose to say no to sin. And you say, Pastor, you must have an incredible amount of discipline and willpower. No, it's not that. It's the work of grace. It's what God's doing in my life. It's what God is doing in your life. Because I've been hurt, and you've been hurt. And as a result, we're all wounded. And when we're wounded, we tend to react out of our pain. We tend to react out of our hurt. Some of you have been betrayed. There are people in this congregation, I've heard the stories of your betrayal in marriage. I've heard the stories of your betrayal in business. I, I've heard the stories of even when children have betrayed their parents and the brokenness and the hurt and the sin that comes. Some of you not only know the feeling of betrayal, but you know the feeling of, of rejection. When others have rejected you because of who you are, maybe a disability, maybe because of your social status in life, your economic status in life, your educational status in life. Some in our congregation have been rejected because of the color of their skin or the background that they came from. I remember one time when my nephew called me 
My brother-in-law and sister-in-law had adopted him as a baby, wonderful, beautiful baby, grown up to a, a man that loved God, loves God to this day. But he came to his grandmother's home, and somebody called because he was black coming into his grandmother's home, and they called the police, and the police all showed up with guns drawn and pulled out and calling him out. And it took several phone calls to convince them that he was her grandson, it scarred him, and yet he chose grace, and he found a way not to be bitter. It was just this past summer that he and I were talking about that. And you say, why? Because we live in a broken world, and you have to deal with what your response is going to be to your disappointments and to your hurt in life. And I find a story of this in the Christmas story. And I just want you to stop and think for a moment. Have you ever considered what Joseph must have felt when Mary came to him and told him, I'm pregnant? Joseph is a righteous man. He's a godly man, the Bible tells us. He hasn't slept with Mary. He hasn't had sexual relationships with Mary. He knows this. And then she comes to him and tells him she's pregnant, and she tells him that God did this. This baby was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and Obviously, Joseph didn't believe her. I mean, he's upset. He's, he's angry. And, 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 and listen to me. Joseph has a right to be angry and upset. Don't feel bad when you get angry when wrong has been done to you. Don't feel bad when you get upset when wrong has been done to you. You have to choose how you're going to respond, but you can only respond from the resources that the Holy Spirit gives you. But what's interesting to me about Joseph's response is he's hurt, he's angry, he's upset, he loves her. And, and just, just as a reminder, and maybe those of you listening online, maybe some of you here this morning, you, you don't realize that an engagement in the Bible was much different than an engagement today. It was a legal betrothal. It was a legal contract. You had all the rights and privileges of marriage except for sex with one another. You had to wait until after the wedding night to be able to consummate that relationship. So Joseph had responsibilities for Mary. She still lived at her parents' home. He had responsibilities to provide and to prepare. She had responsibilities unto him. And if you broke that contract, it came with a lot of consequences. And if you broke that contract... By being unfaithful to one another, it came with even more severe consequences. Joseph's got every single right to be upset, but when he's confronted with this news, the Bible says he does something remarkable. He chooses to divorce Mary quietly. He offers her grace. He offers her forgiveness. He offers her and I have been witness to these things so many times. He offers to her something that we find it very difficult to do. I want you, if you would, to listen to, as I read to you the scripture this morning. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, a righteous man, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. In other words, 
he wasn't going to tell anybody. He was just going to do it in a quiet way that would spare Mary public embarrassment, that would spare her from being stoned. Now, here's the question I'd like you to ask yourself. Why didn't God tell Joseph at the same time he told Mary? Why didn't God save Joseph the pain, the humiliation, the rejection that he felt? Why didn't God do for Joseph what he did for Mary? God could have gotten the two of them together and said, Mary, Joseph, here's my plan. Let me tell you what's going to happen, just like he did with Mary. But instead, God intentionally, say that word, intentionally held back from telling Joseph what he needed to know at that time. He didn't give him the game plan. What he's doing is he's testing the character of Joseph. Would Joseph be a compassionate man? Would Joseph be a forgiving man? Would Joseph be a righteous man? Would he be a loving man? Would he be a godly man? Would he be a good man? Or would he become hateful? Would he become bitter? Would he become resentful? It is disappointment and it is hurt. Would he lash out and try to hurt Mary? What I told to you a few minutes ago, that pull of sin on Interstate 75 or 275 or 94 is that same pull of sin that happens sometimes. If you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. If, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. How many times somebody has told me when I said, oh, why did you do that? They said, well, I wanted them to know what it was like if I was unfaithful to them the way they were unfaithful to me. I wanted them to feel what it was like if I did to them what they did to me. And it never makes things better. It only makes things worse and more complicated. Joseph could have been very mean. Instead, he was very gracious. And when he was hurt, Joseph just simply decided I am going to let my pain go in order that I can give to Mary grace. <laughs> I want you to think about it. He doesn't dig in his heels. He doesn't lose his temper. He doesn't publicly embarrass her. He just handles it the best he can. Now look at me. Don't miss this. If you're watching online, listen to me. Sometimes that's all you can do is handle the best you can without sinning, without returning evil for evil. The Bible says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil cannot be conquered with more evil, but evil can be conquered with good. And by choosing to respond to her in a gracious way, the grace of God began to be extended to him. Now, I, I want to ask a question, and I want, you all to all, I want you all just to take a moment. I'm going to do what I did last week. I'm going to count to 10 in my head, so don't go away if you're watching online when I get quiet for about 10 seconds here, because this answer is going to come to you right away. You're going to, you're going to think of this answer just like this, and I want you to write it down. Who has hurt you the most deeply in life? Who has wounded you? the most deeply in life? Who has caused you the most pain in life? Would you write that name down right now? You see, that name immediately came to mind. Some of you look at me like, Pastor, you count to 10 real quick. I just go one Mississippi, two Mississippi. 
You see, that name came to you right quick. That hurt came to you right quick like. I can guarantee you that if you're still holding on to that hurt, you'll never be joyful. I can guarantee you if you're still holding on to that bitterness, you'll never be joyful. I can guarantee you if you're still rehearsing that over and over in your head, you'll never find the joy and the peace of God. Look at me for just a minute. Bitterness, resentment, judgmentalism, they are the most worthless emotions on the planet Earth. Bitterness, judgmentalism, disappointment, anger, holding those emotions, those are the most bitter things. You keep imagining in your mind how you want to hurt them. You keep rehearsing the pain that's going over, and they've forgotten all about it. They've moved on in life. They're having a good time in life, and you're still living that pain. You're still living that story out, still rehearsing it in your head. It does nothing to make you happy. It does nothing to make you joyful. It does nothing to bring you healing. It only only causes you to be miserable. If Joseph had held this against Mary, had it missed the grace, if Joseph had held this against Mary and missed the blessing, some of you are waiting to be blessed before you give. Some of you are waiting to be blessed before you forgive. Some of you are waiting to be blessed before you do ministry. You will never receive the blessing until first you choose to make the right choice and the right decision. And the choice to forgive, the choice to offer grace, the choice to give, the choice to pray, the choice to serve, always is followed by the blessing, never by the opposite. And somehow or another, we think if we hold on to the bitterness, the hurt, the pain in our emotions, that somehow or another, it's going to make us better. It only makes us worse. It only causes us to become bitter as we get older. You might say to me, and I understand this, they don't deserve forgiveness. Of course they don't. You don't know how many times in life, Becky and I made a significant move one time, and the very reason I didn't want to make the move is because where we moved to held nothing but pain from my growing up years of being disabled and all of it came with it. But something marvelous happened in those first two to three years. People began, when they heard I was pastoring in town, people began to come by and stop by and say, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? I, I was not kind to you when you were younger. I made fun of you all the time. I'm sorry. I remember one man just coming in and sitting on my office sofa and was just crying, holding his head, crying. His name was Steve. And he says, we were so mean to you. Would you forgive us? You see, the blessing always follows the right decision. And sometimes I know, listen to me, I understand the choice to make the right decision can be awfully hard. Of course they don't deserve forgiveness. I'll say it again. It's they don't deserve it, but neither do you deserve the forgiveness that God has given you in Jesus Christ. And I will tell you this as well. There's not a one of us in this room that somebody hasn't had to forgive us at some point in our lives for having hurt them. And we don't deserve the forgiveness that they had given us. You say, Pastor, then why do we forgive? We forgive to be like Jesus, number one. We forgive because it's what God wants, number two. But we don't forgive people because they deserve it. We forgive people because it brings healing to us. Does that make sense? 
We don't forgive people because they deserve it, but we forgive people because when we forgive others, then finally we can be healed ourselves. When we show grace to others, God shows grace to us. Now, because Joseph didn't get angry, because Joseph didn't show out, because Joseph didn't go and find another pretty girl and say, well, I'll show you Mary and, and hurt her life and hurt her family and hurt himself and hurt Mary, because he chose to show grace and let it go, he's given a blessing. You say, Pastor, what's the blessing? Joseph becomes the earthly father of the Son of God. Can you imagine the honor of that? I often say to Becky, you're going to be so close to the throne, I'll have to jump up and down to see you. I mean that with all my heart. But I can tell you one man that I know will be right next to the throne, probably closer than Billy Graham, probably closer than Charles Finney, probably closer than Spurgeon. It will be the man that chose to obey God and to raise Jesus Christ as his son. Because he will put up with a small town scandal. He will put up with all the racket. He will put up with all the things that people had to save. And God blessed him. And I guess you would call Joseph the stepfather of Jesus. God blessed him and made Joseph become the stepfather of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one that we have come this morning to celebrate about. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? I think that is powerful. So let's look at verse 20 of that same chapter. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You say, what did he do? He obeyed God. What did he do? He trusted God. What did he do? He knew that God had to have had a reason to not tell him beforehand like he told Mary. Listen, don't miss that. God could have gotten the two of them together and says, Mary, Joseph, here's the game plan. Here's how this is going to happen. But instead, he tells Mary, Mary conceives. Her Aunt Elizabeth recognizes what has happened. She breaks the news to Joseph. Joseph is going to put her away quietly. And then the Lord speaks to him in a dream. And Joseph trusts God, and he obeys God. You know, sometimes people will tell me, God's got this. God's got this. Sometimes, as I've told you every week since Thanksgiving, and I will tell you until Christmas is over, and that is God is good all the time. God is good. Circumstances do not define who God is. God is good whether the circumstances are good or not. We live in a broken world. Sin that has caused us to rebel against God and rebel against one another. Sin that has confused our understanding. But if we will trust God... And if we will obey God, 
then we will discover what Nehemiah says in chapter 8 and verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, if you're struggling this Christmas season with bitterness, if you're struggling this Christmas season with unbelief, if you're just struggling with disappointment, maybe you're even struggling this morning with thoughts of revenge, my question is to you, do you want to be bitter or do you want to be blessed? Do you want to get revenge or do you want to be blessed? I was listening to the Senate chaplain, Lloyd John Ogilvie, a number of years ago. A lady in his congregation came to him because we always talk about how wonderful Christmas is. I ask everybody that comes to our house every year, tell me about your Christmases growing up. I, I, and I write those stories down. I have wonderful stories of Christmas. But this lady came to the Senate chaplain, Lloyd John Ogilvie, and said to him, can I tell you about my worst Christmas? She said it was a nightmare. And he said, of course. And she said, my husband and my son had had a terrible falling out. They weren't speaking to each other. She said, my husband owned a very valuable piece of property in Los Angeles, and my son wanted that property. And his dad had already put it in the will that he would inherit that piece of property, but my son decided he wanted it now before his dad died. He had plans that he wanted to do with the property, but his dad wasn't ready to relinquish the property to him yet. And so the son got bitter and angry at his dad and wouldn't talk to him, wouldn't come see him. And finally, she was able to convince her son to come for the family Christmas party. And she said, Pastor, it was one of the most painful things in our lives she says, all the night at the dinner, all the family spoke to one another, but my son would never speak to his dad. And so when we gathered around the tree to open the presents, she says, when my husband went to give his, my son a present, he wouldn't take it, and he wouldn't open it, he refused it, and he got up and left the house. And she said, I saw the color, I saw the joy, I saw the life train out of my husband's face. It was though he turned an ash gray color. And after everybody left, he went and got the box, the gift from under the tree, and he brought it to his wife and says, look at what I wanted to give him tonight. And when she unwrapped the gift and she opened the box, there was the title deed to the piece of property that her son wanted. And he had put a note on it, son, I love you more than anything. But the son in his bitterness and his desire to hurt his dad for not doing what his, he wanted his dad to do when he wanted his dad to do it, he left the house in his bitterness without his blessing. And friends, I'm telling you, the greatest gift of Christmas is under a tree called Calvary this morning. And his name is Jesus and you can unwrap all the other wonderful gifts that you will give and that people will give you this Christmas, but unless you receive Christ as your Savior, unless you receive the joy that only Christ can give us when he forgives us of our sins and he breaks, he literally breaks the power of sin in our life where we can make the right choices to trust God and obey God like Joseph did. A meditation app isn't going to do it for you. Another gift isn't going to do it for you. But God has something for you this morning. Please don't walk away from this service or please don't let this Christmas season pass you by 
without trusting and receiving the greatest gift that God has to give, and his name is Jesus. And so my question to you this morning is, do you want to be bitter, or do you want to be blessed? Would you stand with me this morning and let me pray for you? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our wonderful Lord and Savior. And Lord, I speak as a wounded man to other wounded people today. I speak, Lord, as one who has experienced the healing and the deliverance that only Jesus can bring. God, it hasn't erased all my questions, but it has brought me peace and it has brought me joy. And it has brought me, Lord, strength that only you can provide. Mm. It has broken the power of sin. And that's the gift of trust and faith in obeying the name of Jesus. God, on this side, there will probably not be any answers for the wife who lost her husband to cancer so young. On this side, there will probably not be any answers, Lord, for the parents who lost their child so young. For the woman that I will answer her message later this afternoon who's so angry at you, Lord, there will probably be no answers this side of heaven. But there is an answer for peace and joy. There is an answer, Lord, that will bring healing. And his name is Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that Jesus, who was born in a manger and died upon a cross for our sins and rose again from the dead, is here this morning to bring new life, new strength, joy for bitterness for all those that will put their faith and trust in Him. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I want to talk to those of you online and those of you here in the sanctuary. Even though we had a great children's musical this morning after the service, so many people came to me and said, Pastor, Thank you for this series of messages about joy. They've hit home. And I knew they would. I knew the timing of the Holy Spirit, but I knew they would because all of us, all of us has experienced that brokenness. And Christ has come to heal us. And Christmas joy doesn't have to be just for a season. Christmas joy can be for the rest of your life. I don't think Joseph's life was necessarily an easy life. There was still a journey to Bethlehem. There was still a flight to Egypt when Herod wanted to kill the Christ child. There was still a community to come home to. But one thing I do know is that Joseph had the joy of the Lord as his strength. And so can you. 
So I'm asking you this morning, if you've never committed your life to Christ, would you do that today? And you can do that just by simply saying, Lord Jesus, I trust you. And I'm obeying you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. And, and then you commit your life to him 100%. And if you're struggling with hurt or pain or bitterness, I'm asking you to trust the word of God that I've shared with you this morning. And trust the Lord and do the right thing. You say, Pastor How. God will give you the strength if you trust Him and obey Him. The blessing always follows the choice to obey. The blessing always follows the choice to obey. So let me pray for you right now. And you pray this prayer after me. Oh, Father, there are some things in life that I'm really hurt. I resent that they happened. I wish they had never happened. I sometimes have bitter thoughts, Lord. I sometimes question you, and are you really good? And now I understand I live in a broken world. And the only way to escape that brokenness is to put my faith and my trust in you. So here's my hurt. Tell him what it is. Here's who hurt me, Lord. It might take you just a little bit if it was more than one person. Father, help me right now to show them grace, to show them mercy, to offer them forgiveness and to show them love. And I confess to you, I can only do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray the joy of the Lord will be my strength. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Becky and I were in a conference with Dr. James Dobson one time. And he said, anytime somebody tells you they're hurt, what they're really telling you is they're angry. So remember that. If your wife tells you she's hurt, she's really angry. If your husband tells you he's hurt, he's really angry. And he said, the key to that is learning how to forgive. Forgiveness is a process that we grow in each and every single day. So whenever that pain comes up again, and it will, you have to make a choice to forgive in your heart. You don't have to bring it back up to them, but you just have to make a choice to forgive all over again. And the blessing will always follow the choice. Can you say amen to that? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Pastor Corey, come and tell our friends that gave their hearts to Christ what we'll give to them this week. If you prayed that prayer and you're here today, we have a book that we'd be glad to give to you. If you just stop by the booth called The Crossing, um, just ask for it. We'd be glad to give it to you. It's going to help you in your uh, next steps. It's going to help you understand the prayer you prayed and how you can continue to move forward. And if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, will you email us at info at woodland.church and let us know you prayed that prayer. We'd be glad to send it to you as well. And uh, then we can pray for you as well. So please let us know if you prayed that prayer. 
Well, once again, thank you so much for joining with us today in worship. And don't forget Christmas Eve service this coming Friday or Saturday at uh, 5 o'clock. And then next Sunday is Christmas. And so you're going to want to make sure you join with us as well as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.